0: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. This is our first ever streaming show. You could be watching us right now. And if you're not, why aren't you? Because you could be. Now, I understand you might not want to see my face, so I understand that. Uh, So we're going to do this every Friday so that you can be as up-to-date as possible on everything that's happening with the Packers, especially injury-related. And this was a particularly important week to go live because we had questions about the availability of Packers starting left tackle, the all-pro but not-pro-bowl David Bakhtiari. And that is a pretty serious question because Green Bay doesn't really have an intuitive solution if he can't go. And we talked about some potential options. I talked about it on Twitter a little bit. Maybe you slide Billy Turner over and you play Elton Jenkins at right guard. Maybe you slide Lane Taylor out to left tackle and you put Elton Jenkins in at left guard. These are all potential solutions. I don't know that any of them are great solutions. Green Bay, for now, it seems, has avoided that issue, except this is a back problem. And as someone with chronic back problems... uh, it is something that you can just wake up and feel awful and he's, he said earlier in the week i just my back just didn't wasn't cooperating and that is something that can just pop up i mean it's it happened to aaron Rodgers. if we assume that that's a real injury i'm not convinced it was but you know maybe it was if it just flares up which it could do between now and kickoff That's a major problem for the Green Bay Packers. It's one that they have to have a plan in place to attempt to solve. We don't know what that plan is going to be. It sounds like Billy Turner is the swing tackle, and they'd approach it that way. And getting Elton Jenkins on the field in that situation, rather than putting Alex Light out there, that puts your five best healthy remaining offensive linemen on the field, and I think that's the way to do it. Right now, we're operating under the premise that he's going to play. He sounds optimistic he's going to play. And I think he has to play. I mean, if Green Bay wants to win, he has to play. The, the downgrade to Billy Turner is considerable. And there's there's really just no way around that. Uh, the good news is if Elton Jenkins has to play, uh, he is potentially ready to go and would not be a downgrade in my estimation over Billy Turner. So you are downgrading your left tackle, but It would allow you to put Mercedes Lewis over there, to chip, to do those kinds of things. You're probably already going to do a lot of play action. And it's not going to be a downgrade in the run game in all likelihood. Uh, Billy Turner can still move bodies. And they're going to want to establish the run game against this Minnesota Vikings defense. That if there is a place to attack them, it is on the ground. Now, you don't want to necessarily try and get to the edges. They rally to the ball extremely well. But I think downhill, you can get after them a little bit. Uh, For the Vikings, though, they have injury issues of their own. And while it looks like David Bakhtiari is going to play, it looks like uh, Mike Hughes will not play. He is doubtful, officially. And Mackenzie Alexander's out, as we thought, with that dislocated elbow. Mike Hughes dealing with that knee injury. That leaves the Vikings without a nickel corner, or a true nickel corner, anyway. Uh, and it's really just two healthy corners of consequence, that's a problem. And for as out of sync as Aaron Rodgers looked in week one, and for the questions that I think are fair to ask about Green Bay's ability to play with more than one receiver who's useful, I mean, we we haven't seen to this point in the season if someone other than Devontae Adams can step forward and help the Packers in the passing game. We saw a little bit of Marquez Valdez-Scantling do it. We saw a little bit of Trevor Davis do it. Um, we didn't really get a chance to see Jay Kumaro, and Geronimo Allison was essentially a no-show, and that's a problem. I mean, that's a that's a major problem for the Packers. They need to find a way to be able to attack this mismatch because Jeron Curse is a safety by trade and was the nickel guy last week. He's a four-six guy. So he shouldn't be able to run with Trevor Davis. He shouldn't be able to run with MVS. Even Geronimo Allison should be able to create opportunities against him. But the Packers have to play more three-receiver sets if they're going to be able to get to those kinds of looks. Otherwise, they're just going to say, Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes, you've got the Packers, two receivers, and we're going to let Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris do the things that they're really good at. And that's roam around and make plays. Green Bay has to be able to use their tight ends effectively to stress Minnesota's safeties. And they have to be able to attack the middle of the field. That means getting three receivers on the field. And I think this could actually open them up in ways that are useful to them because you get three receivers on the field. Minnesota's going to play that big nickel look. You want to throw out of bigger personnel to try and get mismatches, whether it's you know Devonte Adams in single coverage on Xavier Rhodes whether it's the tight end whether what you know whatever it is if you can suck those linebackers up the middle of the field should be open when you put three receivers on the field and you put curse on the field it's a pretty big personnel grouping for Minnesota usually that would be a better look to run against than obviously the base look when they're in heavier personnel green bay doesn't have that luxury because curse is on the field so it makes them maybe be a little bit more one dimensional with 11 personnel. I don't, you know, is that a is that a big enough advantage where they're not going to run the ball. I hope it means they continue to run the ball in those solutions, situations and make curse tackle. Make him be a safety in those situations and then at least he's thinking, do I have to cover here? Do I have to tackle here? Because remember, he is a safety by trade. So, instinctually, he's got a different base understanding of the way the game is played than a cornerback. A cornerback is going to look dead ahead at his man, and that's first and foremost. That's just It's just an instinct. Safeties, it's a little bit more read and react. They might peek into the backfield a little bit more. If you're able to run the ball in those situations and give him different kinds of looks, maybe you make him think a little bit more. Maybe he's processing and he's playing slower. And slower for a guy who's already slow? It's not ideal if you're the Vikings. It's something that Green Bay has to look to attack and can attack. It's only something, though, that they can attack if David Bakhtiari is on the field, or at least they have a reasonable solution if Bakhtiari can't go. So they have to be able to protect Aaron Rodgers. If you can give Aaron Rodgers time, he can attack this secondary. We know Devontae Adams has had success against Xavier Rhodes, and we know Trey Waynes is grabby even if he's fast. Matt LaFleur loves the double move. You beat aggressive cornerbacks with double moves. You have to be able to protect Aaron Rodgers to get to those guys. And then you add in, okay, Trevor Davis, Geronimo Allison, whoever is out there against curse. You have to be able to protect Rodgers to give him time to get to where he wants to go. Now, David Bakhtiari, he can do that if he's healthy. We know Brian Bulaga can do it if he's healthy. He did it really successfully against Chicago last week. You have to be able to protect if you're a running back, you have to be able to be willing to give help. I think we're going to see plenty of Jamal Williams in this game in passing situations to try and mitigate that pass rush, even with Bakhtiari and Bulaga, although Mike McCarthy was was more than willing to just say, This is this is what we're going to do and and try and beat our tackles one-on-one. I don't know if Matt LaFleur is going to do that. We haven't seen him in this situation before. It's something that that we're going to learn about Matt LaFleur as this goes on, and and that's something that is useful data for us moving forward, we don't know if it's gonna be effective. Uh, We're gonna get to your questions in just a little bit, but I wanna tell you about Vivid Seats first. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. I also wanna talk to you about DoorDash. This is something you've heard me mention before. Whether you're at work, you probably still are at work, Maybe you're in college, you're at school, maybe your sweatpants are already on for the day, uh, and you're going to order. Well, make sure you're going to a place that has everything you need and an app that can get it all done for you. DoorDash connects to your favorite restaurants in your city. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. This is so easy. Favorite pizza place? Yeah, of course, Pizza's an easy one, but there's over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favorite, too. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose your favorite national restaurants, Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, The Cheesecake Factory, don't worry about your next meal. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code locked on. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code locked on. All right, we're going to get to your questions here, and there are, are a lot of them. And the thing that that most Packer fans are are super interested right now is this Minka Fitzpatrick thing. And the Dolphins have said that they're going to make it possible for for them to trade Minka Fitzpatrick. He is not happy with what's going on in Miami, and it's it's frankly hard to blame him uh, as this is as this is all going on. And you know this is an opportunity for Green Bay. Now, is it something that I think is a must-do? No. And Brian Gutekunst has put this team in a position where they can say Minka Fitzpatrick would take this team to the next level, but he's not a necessity in the way that Khalil Mack was last year. If, if the Packers don't trade for Khalil Mack in August, they didn't, by the way, spoiler alert, then they have Clay Matthews, Nick Perry. And we saw how that worked out. Not great. And and Mike Patton alluded to the fact that they sort of knew that that was a suboptimal plan last year. Green Bay now, if they don't make this trade, they still have Jair Alexander. They still have Kevin King. They still have Tremont Williams and Josh Jackson and eventually Kadar Holman when he gets healthy and Tony Brown. And they now have safeties. So you don't need someone like Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, that's not to say more good players doesn't make your team better necessarily it does it's gonna make your team better Good players make you better. the question is at what cost and what marginal value are you getting so how much better does minka Fitzpatrick make you I don't know is he gonna if if they're gonna be a top 10 defense and it looks like they can be a top 10 defense so if they're going to be a top 10 defense does minka Fitzpatrick make you two does he make you three? Does he make you four? And then what is that worth to you? What is that worth in opportunity cost? Because let's say, you know, it was initially reported Miami wanted a first. Doesn't sound like they're going to get a first. So let's say it's going to be a second. And there's also an indication that, you know, they'd settle for a third. Okay, where is the point at which this makes sense in the calculation for Green Bay when the incremental increase in quality for your team? Is worth the opportunity cost of making the deal. That's a tough that's a tough question to answer, and it's a tough question for for Green Bay to answer. I don't know that we have a good understanding of where that value is. Uh, it is something that I think you, you can only know or at least project if you're someone like Mike Patton. He knows how he would deploy Minka Fitzpatrick. And Minka Fitzpatrick sounds like he wants to play that nickel situation. He wants to play that nickel corner. He doesn't want to be moved around in the way that he was being moved around in Miami. That's part of his value. I think that's bad branding on his part. That's his fault uh, and and not the Dolphins' fault. It's the Dolphins' fault that they're terrible and that he wants out. Uh, that's clearly Miami's fault. They're bad. Uh, but the reality is he's available. His agent, Joel Siegel, has been allowed to explore these trades, and Joel Siegel by the way, was Khalil Mack's agent. Green Bay was in, no matter what Packer fans on Twitter will tell you, the Packers were in on the Khalil Mack negotiations. They wanted Khalil Mack and they tried to get him. And for those you need reminding, some of you do, uh, the Packers were not actively engaged in those discussions because the Raiders zeroed in on the Bears, thinking they were going to get the best compensation from the Bears in that package. That was not Green Bay's fault. They tried. And it didn't work out. So if Green Bay, let's say, my my suggestion here was Lane Taylor and a third, because the Packers are not going to use Lane Taylor long-term. This is Elton Jenkins' job sooner rather than later. So if that's true and he's an expendable piece, and they're happy with Elton Jenkins in the game, and I think they should be, frankly, then you're, you're getting rid of a player who is not part of your long-term solution but could help Miami in the short term. The Dolphins have one of the worst offensive lines I have ever seen. Seriously, ever. They are absolutely garbage on the offensive line, and they're going to get their, their quarterback killed. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen, whoever is out there, they're, they they have no chance because they can't protect him. I mean, they're going to send one of those guys to the hospital at some point. So you give Miami a player that is relatively useful, but not so useful that he makes you so much better that you risk you're you're tanking for Tua. But you also are adding that third round pick. So you're sweetening the pot. You're getting it to what you think is like second round value, second round overall. Plus you're giving them a player that they can use but isn't so good that he screws up your tanking plan. I think it's a good deal. I don't like a lot of the suggestions from Packer fans that are Kevin King in a third, Josh Jackson in a second. No, no, no. Josh Jackson was a second-round pick a year ago, someone with first-round talent. Kevin King was a second-round pick two years ago, the 33rd selection, basically a first-round pick. But this this is a player in either case That the Packers think can be good. That they use significant draft capital to get. Why would they give up that guy so soon? This is the question about that marginal improvement. How much better is Minka Fitzpatrick than what those guys could be plus the draft that you're giving up? So if if you're giving up a second or a third, that is a pick that could net you a future right tackle or backup right tackle. Or a future receiver who can be useful on this team. And you're giving up the talent in Josh Jackson or Kevin King. Is that combination worth Minka Fitzpatrick? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. I think I know where I fall on that. I think I would stand pat. Now, if you can get a third in Lane Taylor, you're giving up a player who is not part of your long-term plan. That is what I would try and be doing. Now, if it's just a third, easy, easy, easy. If it's just a second, if I think I'm a 10 or 11 win team this year, especially with Minka, I'd probably give up a second. Yeah. Because I think draft picks in general are a little bit overrated because we know for sure Minka Fitzpatrick is good. A second round pick is like a 30% chance you get a good player. Minka Fitzpatrick's already a good player. He's on a rookie contract. That's really valuable. So I would give up a second, I think. I think. All right, there's more questions that we can get to here. I don't want to spend... Our whole show talking about that. I've spent the whole day on Twitter talking about that. Uh, By the way, that question was asked before all of this came out, but it was asked for someone who did not leave their name. So, sorry. That's just life. Um, Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Rick from Far, Texas. Loved the crossover Wednesday with Luke Braun. One thing that occurred to me. As he mentioned that the edges of Minnesota's line are the strongest. you mentioned before that one of the things you like most about Gary and Zadarius is that they can line up inside and be effective. What are the chances we see Petten change it up from what he did week one and bring more pressure looks up the gut this week? Also, I propose we start thinking of a nickname for this awesome D. What do you think of the Snowfly Zone? So the Snowfly Zone has already been out there. I did not know that when this question came in, but that's true. I love it. We're adopting it. It is now part of the Locked On Packers brand, Snowfly Zone. I love it. We're keeping it. Uh, but this is an interesting question because we thought Chicago had a strong interior. James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, Kyle Long, that's a really good group. Minnesota's interior is not that good. So we th- we did see interior pressure looks, but what Mike Patton did against Chicago was try and find ways to game on the inside. So he used twists and stunts to confuse the blocking and then a lot of the blitzes were aimed at overloading a side and getting someone free off the edge. I think against Minnesota, you will see more double-A gap pressure. I also think you will see more opportunities for someone like Rashawn Gary with his hand in the dirt as a three-tech inside and Zadarius as a three-tech inside. Kenny Clark is going to eat up Garrick Bradbury and Pat Alfine. Alfine also on the injury report, questionable. If he can't go, if he can't go and they have to go to a backup, a guy who is worse than him, Green Bay should dominate this game on the inside. Dominate. They have a bunch of guys who they can play inside who should just be able to eat the lunches of the Minnesota offensive line and, and they should do it. I mean, they should do it. They should dominate inside. I think they have a clear advantage. I said this on Twitter yesterday. Green Bay has a clear advantage in the trenches. Their defensive line against Minnesota's offensive line. Do they have an advantage anywhere else? Does Minnesota have a clear advantage anywhere else? I don't I don't know. I can't see one. I think it's pretty even. There are places where Minnesota has a slight advantage, places where Green Bay has a slight advantage, and I'm talking matchup for matchup. So like offensive tackle versus defensive end, linebackers versus running backs, receivers versus cornerbacks, not receiver versus receiver. The only place where it's clear to me one team is definitely better than the other is Green Bay's defensive front. They should dominate this game. And and Atlanta, in a lot of of plays, dominated their defensive front against Minnesota's offensive line. It was a couple plays where they couldn't hold the edge. Dalvin Cook broke off some chunk runs. And a couple pass plays that they got beat on, and that was it. Green Bay has to avoid those kinds of plays if they want to win this game. All right, we're going to finish up the show here in just a little bit, but before we do, let's talk about my bookie. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? Of course, you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and when you win, they pay. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why you should go to my bookie. They have live in-game betting. This is the future, guys. Second and 10, do the Packers convert? You can bet on this stuff live. You can bet on fantasy values. And if you want to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. This is a great option for novice bettors to come in and try and figure this all out and win some money. Right now, if you go to mybookie.ag and use the promo code locked on, you will, they will double your first deposit. Double free money. Go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code Locked On, and they will double your first deposit up to $1,000. At mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, I want to finish up on this question because I got a lot of them about the receivers. It's it, There were a lot of Packer fans who were caught off guard when Jake Kumaro was not on the field when it looked like they needed another receiver. It was Trevor Davis. And I think this is the right way to go. I think Trevor Davis is the player who needs to be on the field in those situations. And it will not surprise me if he continues to eat into the snaps that Geronimo Allison gets. Given this offense that is so centered around scheming opportunities for the tight end. Now, I think they can do that with the receivers too, the way uh, Sean McVay does. Sean McVay runs the tight end league play, but for receivers. And they killed Minnesota last week or last year on Thursday night in those kinds of looks. That's something Green Bay could do to Minnesota as well. But I think they need the speed from Trevor Davis over the reliability of Geronimo Alice. And I think the speed, whether it's the versatility to run jet sweeps, whether it is the ability to get deep, whether it's the ability to stress teams across the field on mesh, on sale routes, on posts, he His speed can change this offense next to MVS because MVS on his own, yeah, he can create problems. And then you have Devontae Adams. Teams have to account for Devontae Adams. To have that third guy, that is what changes your offense. It, it, it can fundamentally alter the geometry of your offense. If you have two guys who can get down the field, how often can you play single high safety if that's the case? That is a huge thing for a defense. So... Green Bay. I think we're going to see Trevor Davis on the field more. I know that Jay Kumaro is a great story. I know Packer fans love Jay Kumaro. I just don't think the value in this offense. I was a little surprised, and and was someone who advocated for the idea that I don't think you need Kumaro and Allison. And I think after Week One, I don't want to over dramatize the takeaways from Week One because it's just Week One. I I don't think they both need to be on the team, and I think in fact, not having guys who can run, I. Uh, on the field at the same time with your tight ends is redundant in this offense just because this offense can be so effective getting guys open in the middle of the field with their tight ends so i want i want to see them do that i would rather have two guys who can run or three guys who can run at receiver and then use your tight ends the way that you would use a possession receiver you know someone like geronimo allison or Jake Coomer. that's just how i feel about it we'll see how green bay feels about it and we'll see how they attack this minnesota team coming up remember You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Our live stream is coming to an end. Thank you all of you who have watched. If you haven't watched, watch next week. There's going to be a replay on Periscope. You can go watch us on Periscope. Locked on Live is the Twitter account you can follow. Uh, This will be on YouTube. It'll be all over the place. You can find the replay of this. Um, You could be just listening to this on your device. That's great. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify. We are big on Spotify. I don't know whatever the reason is that my listeners love Spotify. Thank you guys. Um, maybe a couple more. If you're on Spotify already and subscribing there, just open your open the open the phone and and on the app on the, in the iTunes store. Just subscribe. Just help us out here. The rankings. It, it's good for advertisers. That'd be great. Uh, and and leave us a review on iTunes. That would be awesome too. And if you want to be a part of shows like this, Locked On Packers Fan Hotline is the place to do it. So nine two zero. 341 3775 it's the best way and watch the stream that's also the best way but the hot the hotline i love these shows i love interacting with you guys so 920 341 3775 to stay locked on packers